Oh. Ooh. <laughs> What's up, good people? It's time for another session of that verbal cardio, man. We back up in here. Jason Anderson said the debate now stay at home to work, listen to the live, or watch, listen from the phone, and risk varying connection. Man. Good problems, man. We are back with another episode of Verbal Cardio. I'm your host. I got my co-host, Water, in the raggedy bottle right here. Um, listen, man. Drink more water. I say this each and every episode, each and every week. I want y'all to be hydrated out here, man. If y'all love me, I love y'all right back. And the best way to love yourself is to drink plenty of water. Water is life. Water is the nectar. Water is everything we could have ever imagined. Please drink so much of this stuff, man. Anytime you're on the fence or you're on the men, they tell you to drink more water. You ask people that have been alive a long time, man, they'll be like, man, you know, I just drink a lot of water, man. You know what I'm saying? It clears your skin up. It makes you more vibrant, man. It's only going to benefit you to drink more water. It's all beneficial. It's all beneficial, y'all. Get in on it, man. It's a it's a it's a no-brainer. It's easy work. H2O it up, man. When you see me, I want you to think water. You'll be like, man, man, there go Tony, man. I got I gotta step my water up. If you see me on the streets, I want you to leave my company and be like, yo, let me get some water, man. I saw Tony earlier today, man. I hugged him. I felt the hydration. You know what I mean? Water is everything. So keep that in mind, man. Keep that in mind. Keep pushing forward and keep drinking that water, shouty. Washing it down. Sabrina, my producer extraordinaire, she is on set right now, so she is not in the studio with us. She might tap in uh, remotely, or she might not. I'm not sure what's going on. But, uh, yeah, but we got a mirror here on the ones and twos. The ones and twos. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, we in here. We in this thing. We out here. We, we thriving. We glistening. We hanging in there. Amir, let me ask you this. I know you're younger. Do you have a favorite Little Kim song? I asked, I asked my followers this last night on a whim because I was just thinking about Little Kim randomly. And I was like, yo, what's my favorite Little Kim song? And I'm asking you. How old are you? I am 27. You were 20. You were born what year? 95. So 95. So 96, I believe her debut album dropped. So you was a whopping one. If that. If that. Uh, man, I'd probably say, do I even know the name? I would say probably, what's, is it Crush on You? Is that the name Crush of the song? Crush on You, yeah. And then okay. you see me on the Yeah. I, I like that beat a lot. And when I think about like 90s, that yeah. song comes to mind. Okay. So I, I think that I'll probably pick that one. I know some other Lil' Kim songs like Put Your Lighters Up and stuff like that. That's stuff cool. Put but Your I Lighters think that, Up is good, yeah. I think that's that's the one for me. Okay. Personally. All right. Respect. That's a good, that's a good song to pick, man. Lil' Kim. Um, I think I'm going to just start asking people, like, what's your favorite song by just on the random whatever artist I think of in the moment. But Lil' Kim was on my mind. And I was just like, what's your favorite Lil' Kim? For me, it's Queen Bitch. Um, I really like that beat a lot, and uh, I think that's my favorite, my favorite Lil' Kim track. I also like Magic Stick, Crush on You, uh, Suck My Dick is another good one. 
Um, but Lil Kim got some jokes. She definitely has. Lil Kim definitely has fire features. All about the Benjamins, Money, Power, Respect, and the Quiet Storm remix she did with Mob D. She has some iconic features. And uh, Ladies Night, she was killing it on there. So Lil Kim did a lot in the game. And I just want to give her some flowers real quick. You know, extend to her those good flowers. Um, she definitely made an impact in the game. And uh, shout out to her, man. Shout out to Lil Kim. Lil Kimberly, if you will. Whatever the case may be. Um, appreciate her for being in the game. And you don't always have to compare her to other female rappers in the game. Just let her get her individual shine for just a moment. You don't have to be like, well, I like Lil' Kim. I like Foxy Brown better. I like this better. You don't have to do all that. You can appreciate multiple female MCs simultaneously. So I just want to throw that into the mix. And the classic, iconic Lil' Kim poster picture where she's squatting down. That was iconic, man. That was a dope photo it was uh yeah man dope photo and the the iconic dress that she wore at the vmas with the one boob out in the in the seashell covering the boob iconic and then diana ross reached over with the titty pap classic moments man the the titty pap from diana ross man only diana ross can reach over and give you the titty pap ladies only Diana Ross, man. It was like, yo, because if I did that, I would have been canceled, sent to jail. I'd still be in jail right now. Right now. And you know, rightfully so. You can't just be groping women out here. You know what I'm saying? But Diana Ross, though, she gets a pass. She gets the pass. Shout out to Tracy Ellis Ross at random because she just dope to me. And I just feel like Tracy Ellis Ross is phenomenal. And I want to give a shout out to the show Girlfriends as a whole because I feel like they never got their respect and they're just due. I watched an interview with the cast of Girlfriends that they had with Charlemagne the God. This is a couple years ago now. And I really feel like that show didn't get its props. I feel like they were underpaid actresses. I feel like that show really touched on some dope issues and dope topics and created a real good dynamic of female friendship, uh, women of color. I like the fact that, you know, they included a, a character that was open about being biracial. Um, I feel like Lynn was a dope representation of women that you know, maybe overlooked or just shoved into a particular side. Like, if you, if you if you just not saying you black, then you something else. And it's like, yo, you know, I'm biracial. Like, I got a couple things going on, and I feel like that's a big part of life. And, it, you know, so many people are mixed. And, like, I feel like we shy away from, you know, sharing those stories, especially back then. Like, now, you know, and even Tracy Ellis Ross, who was also biracial, uh, but she was just seen as, you know, a black woman, but because of her mom. And they were saying that in the interview. It's like, yo, everybody knows my mom is Diana Ross. So they just look at me as a black woman. But, you know, Pops is white. And that's why she included his name, Ellis, in her middle name as to, just to give him some shine because he could be overlooked because, you know, he's a he's a white man that nobody knew. But she wanted to give her father props as well. And I think that's dope. And I think we should we should give both of our our parents some shine and props and like you know, 
um, in a society where people just want you to be one thing and they want to shove you in a particular category, sometimes there's more nuance than that. Sometimes there's a couple things going on. And you know me, I got my little uh, ancestry back, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I got my Nigeria popping. But, you know, my German was number two in the, in the, in the breakdown of my lineage on the, on the genetic tip. I was like, yo, Nigeria, let me, let me break down for y'all my little uh, Ancestry.com results and let y'all know what's going on. Let me go over here real quick. Bear with me. Bear with me. All right, let's see. Somebody said I got a memory like an elephant. What did I remember, uh, Latanya? Latanya Baker, we uh, we related. Is we related? All right, let me find, let me find my lineage. Shout out to my patron saints. They are in here. They are chatting with us live right now as we live and breathe. Super supportive, man. I appreciate y'all. Love y'all passionately in the shower. You already know what it is. You already know what it is. We had a successful movie night uh, this weekend. We caught up on Moon Night and Snowfall. Snowfall got a little weird with the drug trippy scene, but I'm still all in on Snowfall. Still here. Uh, shout out to the bakery and the patron saints, man. I appreciate y'all. I'm still looking for my uh, ancestry results. So I'm scrolling through my phone. Sorry, I got a lot going on in here. Oh, 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 wait, no, not yet, not yet. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? Let me just go to, oh, here it is. I just found it. Boom. Okay. So here's my breakdown, y'all. My ethnicity estimate, according to Ancestry, I'm 31% Nigerian. 31% Nigeria is all up in the mix. 16% um, Germanic Europe. So, you know, my grandmother was German, so I wasn't surprised that, you know, Germany came through with a robust percentage because I was like, yo, um, I already knew my grandmother was German, so I was just, you know, I was expecting this. So, oh, wow, man, that's your favorite podcast. Thank you, Tanya, man. That means a lot because there's a lot of podcasts out here. And, yes, I've seen the show Your Honor on Showtime. Sorry to go off the rails, but next movie night is coming soon. I really want to do one in Chicago, but I might be running around a little bit too much. So if I don't do a movie night in Chicago, my next movie night will will then be uh, most likely next Sunday or this coming Sunday I should say yeah Sunday or Monday will be the next movie night and we're watching The Raid uh, The Raid and probably Snowfall and Moon Knight The Raid is a phenomenal action movie oh anyway so Nigeria 31% Germany 16% Cameroon Congo and West Bantu peoples 14% Mali 12% uh, Benin and Togo, 7%. Ivory Coast and Ghana, 6%. England and Northwestern Europe, 5%. Ireland, 4%. Sweden and Denmark, 1%. Norway, 1%. Southern Bantu peoples, 1%. Baltics, 1%. Senegal, 1%. So that's my little breakdown. Uh, I'm not surprised that Ireland showed up because I knew there was some Irish mixed in. It's interesting to know that they didn't include the Native American element which, you know, 
black folks love claiming the Native American element in their family lineage. Uh, some people probably lying. Some people could be accurate. In my family, my mom told me that we do have a Native American presence in our bloodstream. Um, I'm surprised it didn't show up at all here. I don't even know if they have the data for that. At some of these, uh, at some of these places that do your ethnicity and genetic makeup, I don't know. Um, but I feel like from the results that I've seen from other people, I feel like I never see the Native American aspect up in there. So I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure where it is. Um, but Nigeria was my biggest percentage. And now, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to Nigeria. I'm tasting the lineage. I'm pulling up to the country, man. I'm booking the flight. I'm booking the flight. I'm going to Nigeria. I'm going to Germany, too. I'm pulling up Gutentag. I'm pulling up, man. I'm tasting everything. I'm going to touch the Berlin Wall and taste the brick. That's what I'm doing, man. I'm pulling up. I'm going to Nigeria, man. I'm like, yo, man, what y'all doing out here? I've been wanting to go to Nigeria anyway. Now that I know 31% is in me, it's the biggest percentage, I got to pull up. I ain't got no choice but to pull up to Nigeria, man. That's where it all began. That's where it all began for your boy, man. So I'm getting in on that. Also, when you dig into the Ancestry, and mind you, this is not this is not ad promo. I'm not doing an ad for Ancestry.com. This is just, this was a Christmas gift uh, from Sabrina and Sincere. So, um, oh wait, hold on. They got the Baker family tree in here. Hold on, wait, hold on. What's new? Hold on, man. What they doing? All right, let me check. Okay, we got the matches. We got the communities. So they showing me early North Carolina African uh, Americans. So they say you probably have relatives who lived in this region in the past few hundred years. Your connection to this region is likely through your ancestry from Nigeria and Cameroon, Congo, and Western Bantu peoples. So the majority of black Americans who can, who can trace their roots back to North Carolina in the 1700s have ancestors from coastal West African countries along the Gulf of Guinea, including the Congo, Cameroon, Nigeria, Benin, Togo, Ghana, and the Ivory Coast. Although many black Americans during this uh, period were enslaved, some had gained or purchased their freedom before the 1700s when indentured labor and slavery weren't always lifelong sentences. Others escaped and lived in a free, independent community in the great dismal swamp on the, what's this, the Al Albemarle Sound? The hell? Al Albemarle? Is that how you say that? Albemarle Sound near Eddington, North Carolina. I don't know if I said that right. I probably butchered it. But uh, I guess that's the story of uh, the region. So, man. And I know my mom told me, I asked my mom, I was like, yo, man, where's the family from, our family from? Because I knew we had that southern connection. So let me tell you what my mom told me. She said, my mom told me, because I was like, yo, uh, what southern areas was the family from? She said, Tennessee. 
Uh, so she said Memphis and Mississippi. So I got the 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 Tennessee and the Mississippi ties down south. Shout out to Memphis. I think I might be doing a show out there this year. I think I might have added Memphis, Boston, and Connecticut to the tour schedule. Um, so I just wanted to throw that at y'all, throw that in there, give you that piece real quick. Um, the verses between BB and CC Winans and Mary Mary. Did you tune into that? I mean, no. Uh, you like gospel? No. One thing I noticed about gospel, and I noticed this through watching the verses. Shout out to Kevin on stage, who hosted the verses. Um, and shout out to my bro Kevin on stage because I want to give him props for this. He didn't overdo it as a host. He let the show be about the musical guests. And he just he just came in, did the intro, and fell back. And I applaud him for that. That's how you do it. It's not about Kev knew the verses was not about Kev. And he knew that, and I want to give him props for that. He hosted as it was supposed to be hosted. Props to him. Some people be overdoing it as hosts. I ain't going to say no names, but you know. Some people was doing a little bit too much as the host. I ain't going to say no names, but I'm just saying, you know, but I ain't going to say no names, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? But uh, shout out to Kev on stage for doing a great job at the verses. Um, but I, I, I just do want to say that um, the verses was good. Gospel music makes me feel good. Uh, sh thank you, Ashley J., who says uh, Tony was the MVP of the verses when Instagram cut out. Instagram cut out on the live, the verses live cut out, and I had it I had it pulled up on uh, Triller, so people was able to still see the concert when the live cut out, and I was there for the people, you know what I'm saying? Um, gospel music makes me feel good, and shout-out to Mary Mary. They, they are extreme vocal talents. They, they can... Man, they can blow. And I did not know Erica was the oldest sibling. And I don't know why I just pictured them younger than me. And then I was like, yo, they older than you. I was like, they older than me? I don't know why I just pictured Mary Mary just younger than me. And Erica looks like a baby to me in the face. Um, but BB and CC Wines, their music holds a special place in my heart and soul because um, there's an album they have called Addictive Love. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, I love that album. I love that record. There's so many, so many good songs on there. Addictive Love is one of my favorite songs ever. But the album is so good. And, and me and my mom listened to Addictive Love by BB and CC Winans so many times. So I got I got so many memories attached to that album that it just holds a special place. And now, you know. Uh, certain songs hit me differently. I was going in on the beauty of CC Wine and Smile. I, I feel like CC Winans has one of the best smiles ever crafted to a human being. Like her smile is just gospel itself. Like you know, her smile is dipped in holy water, and it's just it's just a beautiful. I I don't see why. Every toothpaste company in, in existence doesn't hire this woman because her smile has always been phenomenal. It has just always been wonderful. And, like, whenever you're feeling down, just look at pictures of her smiling, man. And it's just like, yo, 
CC Winer Smile. No disrespect to BB's smile. BB has a great smile too, but the CC Winer Smile is just scripture. It's biblical. It's just, it's warm. It's savory. It's savory and sweet. Whatever you into, it's that. I was going in on that. Um, but that but that addictive love album by BB and CC Winans, man, from from the songs It's Okay to You Know and I Know and like uh Searching. There's so many good records on there. The Blood with MC Hammer. Um I really love that album. So it holds a special place for me. And like, you know, the songs they did, If Anything Ever Happened to You made me cry. Like I was I folded up. If anything ever happened to you hit me differently because I've said that, you know, I feel that for certain people. And I, you know, I feel that for my children. Naturally, if anything ever happened to you, I don't know how I could go on. And so the fact that I'm still going on after Serene has passed, I'm like, man, I don't know how I'm doing this. But, you know, it just, that song really hits me differently now. It's like, oh, God damn. If anything ever happened to you, now I have to live through something happening to you. And it's just like, man, I'm still living. So, that song hit me hard, and um, the other song, Lost Without You, also hit me hard, folded me up. Folded me up tough. Fresh laundry. I was folded like freshly washed box of briefs. Folded up nicely, like hotel blankets folded. So I folded twice. But I wanted to say that gospel music feels good, man. It feels like... And I like my gospel music soft. I've said this before. I like my gospel music soft, meaning when you're in church, the gospel music, they got the organ going, and it's that hardcore gospel music. I like it. I appreciate it. But I like I like my I like my gospel music a little bit softer with the with the more instruments going in, a softer sound, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Full production value. I guess more studio gospel for me um, is what I like. No disrespect to the hardcore gospel at all, but I, I like I like my I like my gospel soft, man. One of my favorite gospel songs too, and one of my favorite gospel albums is Donnie McClurkin Live in London. This album is phenomenal, and it's a song on there um, that makes me fold up as well. It's called. Uh, didn't I think it's didn't I? Hold on, let me let me double check. It folds me up every damn time. Man. Excuse me for cussing when I'm talking about gospel, but every damn time I fold right up. I think it's didn't I? I gotta make sure that's the name of the song. It's uh man, I love this album. All Love Didn't You Know Too, but it's the song. Um, what's the name of the song? Great Is Your Mercy. Oh, Great Is Your Mercy is another good one. Um, I'll trust you. Didn't you know? Oh, it's Didn't You Know. Didn't You Know is the name of the song. It's on Donnie McClurkin's live album, Live in London. That song fools me up every goddamn time. Complete fold up. Needless to say, the verses was phenomenal. I had a great time. Uh, I felt good. Angel was cutting up. 
I was cutting up. It was just a good time. And whatever music puts you in a good state of mind, puts you in a good space, getting in on it, indulge on that, man. Amir, what, what music puts you in a good space, a good mood, a good vibe? Uh, I like ignorance, so trap music. Trap music puts you in a good state of mind. Where yeah. They just be like, man. I don't know. I feel like I'm in my element when I listen to that for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't relate to 90% of it because I ain't grew up like that. Right. Close enough, but nah, man, I was, I was pretty regular. Yeah. So can't really relate, but it's something about them like expressing that. I'd be like, yeah, bro, like I, I can feel that. And then the mute, the beats too would be. I'd just be sitting there like I'm just enjoying myself. What 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 uh what is it about trap music that you like so much? Was it because you grew up in that environment and that that was a soundtrack to your life? Nah, not really. Uh, cause I I was born in Petersburg, Virginia, and grew up there. That place is like it's like imagine Detroit on a smaller scale, but yeah. still just as bad. So okay. it ain't it ain't a lot going on. And if me and my brother like our parents didn't move us out, it would have yeah. been. We probably would have been living something similar to like you know trap music kind of thing. God damn. So we moved to Atlanta, yeah. And then getting acquainted to that sound, I was already liking what I heard from Atlanta. But moving uh-huh. there, and then they kind of took over the whole trap thing, and it was like, this is what we doing. Uh, I think for me at first, I was like, I can't listen to this because I don't what they talking about. I they're not even really rapping that well. Yeah. But the beats was carrying it for me. I was okay. like, oh man, Drummer Boy and yeah. Shorty Red. I was like, nah, these guys they. This is hard, and then I started listening to it more, and I was like, "Nah, this has a it has a feel to it, it has a sound to it. This is, I can connect with this. It's like I just gotta, you know, understand that what they're talking about is just a little different than what I grew up listening to." Right. So I think that's what it was. It was just a combination of things. Like they have something that was a little bit more fresh, and me having the ears of being like, "Oh, I grew up listening to Jay Z and Kanye and all right. that stuff." So it'd be like, you know, gotta hey, you gotta give it a shot, and then I did, right. and, then, and now that's all I really ever listen. I mean, it's like the biggest genre out, but. It's just all I listen to, and not like I don't listen to anything else. It's just like when I when I get in the car or whatever, I want to hear that. That's what right. I want to hear. That puts me in a good mood. It makes me want to you know, get to, to my destination. You know. How old was you when you moved to Atlanta? I was 11. Oh, wow. So 11. So if you was born in 96, so we looking 95. at 2007. 2006. 2006 is when we moved. 2006. Yeah. So during that time period, 2006, you had... Late registration was out. Graduation had yet to hit the streets. Yes. On the southern tip, uh, I would say, you know, that's still T.I.'s reign, probably. Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy. Uh, Gucci Man was popping pretty pretty hard. Gucci Man. Um, not on, like, a super mainstream level, but yeah. he was right there. Because I think So Icy. I think that Jeezy was his rise came around out. that time. Yeah. Well, no, he had, like, a couple. Because then he did that. He was still mixtape heavy. Yeah. And then he didn't really pop until the state versus Roderick Davis in 2009. Because that had that, lemonade on it? Yeah. And that was, uh, was that 2008, 2009? And then he went to jail. And, like, he mm. legit was on his way. Like, yeah. it, it went gold and everything. And right. And Stunned his growth a little bit. Yeah. So we had that. Uh, Who else was really popping up? I mean, uh, yeah, T.I., Jeezy, Gucci pretty much was running... Ludacris still had some steam going as well. He still had some steam because release therapy was about to come out, I think, that that following year or maybe that same year. Man, I'm trying to think because, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, who was really, really – there was a dude named – what's his name? DJ DJ Yola or something like that. He had a hot song in Atlanta. That's a very local song. Like, if you ask anybody from Atlanta that was there during that time, if you don't know that song, you are not from Atlanta. Like, it's one of those. It's like like that. Yeah, it's called Ankle Letter. I think his name is DJ Yola. Mm -hmm. Ankle Letter. That song played all over the radio. Huge in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, we still had some of the, you know, dance music was still going on a little bit. Yeah. You know, the snapping stuff. I mean, Soldier Boy was on his way. 
Even so though he, his boy he, was coming. We don't know where he's from for real, but he claimed Atlanta. Yeah. He's supposedly born in Chicago, I think. Soldier Boy was born in Chicago? I think so. Oh, shit. Either that or uh, like Mississippi or something like that. I think. Yeah. Well, let me look him up, man, because I ain't know that. Hold on, man. Because <laughs> I feel like, man, why, why do Chicago cats keep being problematic, man? Hold on. Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy Teller. DeAndre Wade. He was born in Chicago. God damn. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> Kanye was born in Atlanta. Oh. And, but this is he true. grew up in Chicago. They grew up in Chicago. Yeah. So maybe maybe uh, Soldier Boy went to Atlanta early. Oh, he did. Because that's how he got his start. Call it, Mr. Collar Park was okay. out there. And that's, uh, you know, they gave him that. You know, Soldier Boy was working on his own stuff. But when he got signed, that's who he was signed with. Okay, first, so first he was born in Chicago and moved to Atlanta at the age of six. Yeah. So where he, he became interested in rap music. At age 14, he moved to Mississippi with his father. Yeah, and I think he came back after he got some some fame from like his, his videos and stuff, making putting music out there. Then there's like, we want to do something with you. So then Crank That came along. So let me ask you this. Can he rightfully claim Atlanta? I think so. I mean, I, I honestly give people like, it's not like, uh, I don't want to say everybody like comes from like when they go there they got their stardom there so it's like I'm from Atlanta it's like yeah. uh, hold on you know because there's a lot of people that do that. Um, so he he spent from six to fourteen he was in Atlanta and then he left and then he came back basically. I mean when you're famous it's like you can be wherever but yeah. I feel like he yeah he got his stardom in Atlanta. It's hard to say but yeah. I, I think like because I know Mr. Collar Park was in Atlanta that's mm-hmm. where his I mean College Park like that right. makes sense. So he went to him, and then I guess that's where he got all his backing. So I think it's, it's, it's he can. I think he can. He can. He can definitely claim Atlanta more than Chicago for sure. Oh yeah, definitely more than Chicago. And definitely from six to fourteen, those are super formative years. Um, I'm not sure how long he was in Mississippi, but to me, th- this is news to me. I thought he was Atlanta through and through, but I'm like, oh, 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 this is curveball city for me. Yeah. But because, uh, you know, on, on daddy issues, I just found out that Skilo was born in Chicago. So it's just like, man, I'm finding out all these people were born in Chicago. And I'm just like, man, what the hell is going on here? And, you know, me personally, I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but raised in Chicago. So, um, yeah. As somebody said, if 21 Savage is from Orlando, so it's so the way it's too. I- the the twenty one savage thing is funny. He was born overseas, right? Yeah, he was technically born in Europe, but he lived his like entire life in Atlanta since he was like four or five. Oh, well, so yeah. they was like you know at that point that's like, definitely Atlanta. Yeah, because people was like, oh, he not really blah blah, and I was like, mm. what he was what he was rapping about. I was like, if you lived in Atlanta, you know all those places yeah. that he's talking about, like Pantherville, like that that was somewhere you did not want to go. Four and up, come yeah. on, y'all. He come definitely on. from at that point. Like, oh, okay, when they when they had like Ice had got him, I was like, there's no way they about to send this man back. Yeah, to Europe. I was like, there's no way. Yeah, he ain't got nothing out there. He'd be fine, but it's like. Nah. He didn't claim Atlanta, man. Four, you, you don't remember nothing earlier than four. You remember certain things, but come on now. You, 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 you're being petty at that point. Yeah. It's like, nah, man, he ain't from Atlanta. That's just being petty right there. Um, sk- keeping it in music, uh, Takashi 69 he dropped, he dropped another video or something, and um, – and he was out here. So Takashi Six Nine, he been in the headlines because he told the chorus that he didn't have money. And then there's a video of him counting millions of dollars in cash on camera. 
So he counted like $1.3 million out in cash. He just had a pile of cash and was counting it out. Now he's saying that that money was fake. So I'm like, yo, is he lying just to just to save his own ass for the court proceedings? Or is he just doing stunt stunt work with the with the fake money? This dude, to me, is the epitome of corn. He is the epitome of corniness. It's just and we all know, we all know, like, you know, he's antics McGee. He's just gonna do whatever it takes to, you know, stay relevant to keep keep his name popping, whatever. But he is just the epitome of corniness, corn syrup, corn husk, just corn, sweet corn, corn on the cob, man, green giant. It's just, come on, man. Why, why are you doing this? And I get why he's doing it because he, he, he has to stay relevant. I remember when his album dropped and he was doing all his bragging and then Big Sean beat him in sales that week. Big Sean had the number one album debut and Takashi Six Nine d- did not, and they, they came out the same week. So it was just like it was kind of like, "Yo, man, you're not really that dude like you think you are." Them gimmicks ain't did not pay off. It's gimmickry, man. And 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 when he went head to head with a real artist, a real lyricist, and a, and a dude of integrity, he lost. I was actually concerned for Big Sean. I'm a pretty big Big Sean fan, but I was I was worried. I was like, he going up against Six Nine. I was like, ah, man. I was like, I know he can do it, but And that's valid because Takashi Six Nine's name was in everybody's mouth. He was he yeah. was getting posted everywhere. He, Big Sean ain't have no lead up. He had the controversy. And Big Sean was just coming in with an organic, usual artist rollout. Yeah. You know, just doing the rounds. But and Big Sean came out victorious and it was just like, good. Yeah. I ain't never liked Six Nine to be honest. I mean I Come on, like he ain't never had like he he can have some stuff that could be like catchy, but I never cared. Like I, right. I like just legit never cared. When he popped up on the scene, I was like, he's doing too much. He's doing out the gate. It's just too much. Yeah. Overall, just too much. The colorful hair, tattoos. Now he you look like a totally different person. Was it worth it? You know, he the like jail and all that stuff like that. Was it worth it? He looked like a bowl of fruit loops just walking. He he looks like walking cereal. That's exactly what he looks like. <laughs> He looks like walking cereal. And I'm talking about when I say cereal, I don't even want to give him the credit of Fruit Loops. I want to give him the bag cereal. He looks like a walking bag of cereal. It's not even in a box. It's it's that cereal that's only in bags and it's got the random name. The, the fruity pieces or the, you know, whatever fruity circles, whatever, whatever the case may be. He's the low budget bag cereal. That's what he looks like. Fruity dino bites. Man, that's him. And it's just like, all right, man, enough. And he keeps he keeps trolling these these artists from Chicago, and it's just like, and uh, he keeps trolling Lil Durk and uh, Five Year Old Corn. That uh, yeah, he's big bait. That's the problem. He's not necessarily gonna get in trouble. He'll bait somebody else to come and try to do something, and yeah. then they're gonna end up locking you up. And that's kind of how I felt about what's his name was uh, Whack One Hundred. He kept getting on Clubhouse and trying to argue with these young guys that got street ties. Right. It's like something about that screams. I'm an informant. Like he went after every because he had Roddy Ritz on there and he had yeah. 21 on there. Right. And then Six Nine had tried to get Chief Keith uh, back in Chicago yep. and all this other stuff. And I was just like, I, I'm kind of glad that nobody really baited into Me that. Me too. Because yeah. man, I don't, don't want to see like I don't want to see nobody go down over some stupid stuff like that. Because the feds are watching all the time. Fruity Bag cereal. Yeah. They watching it. That's his name, Fruity Bag cereal. They watching him. 
And so if if any of these artists do retaliate, you know, the, the feds didn't seen it all. So it's just like, we got you dead to rights. And now, you know, these other artists, their their lives are ruined because of this clown. So it's just like, man, this dude's mad corny. And I'm not a fan of counting money stacks. I'm just not a fan of it. I'm not. We, we've done this. How long? How long are we gonna keep doing this? How long are we gonna keep counting money and holding it up to our ears? We know everybody wants to make money. Everybody, everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to be well off financially. But we've seen the imagery time and time and time and time again. Give us something else. If your music is popping, and we 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 live in a day and age where you don't really really need a music video. You don't really need music videos like you used to. Your your streams can still be popping. The, the imagery adds to it, but you can give us a totally different video, a, a, a complete, unique visual experience that speaks beyond the money. Even if the song is about money, you can still give us different visuals rather than just, oh, yeah, I got the money stack. And it's just like, man, it's corny, man. And then, you know, the typical rebuttal, snapback, man, you just broke. <laughs> and when you broke, man, you just ain't. You know, I would love to have that amount of money, but that money, when I do have it, it's going to be it's gonna be tucked off. It's yeah. either going to be in, the, in real estate or it's going to be in the bank. It's not going to be on my bed. I'm not a drug kingpin. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not hiding out from the cops. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have money under the mattress. You should have some cash on hand, though. I will say that. You should have cash on hand for whenever you're traveling or whatever. You should always have some cash on you. Not no money stack, but I'm just saying we live in a day and age where you can pay with your phone, you can pay with Zelle, you can pay with Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. You don't need actual cash, but you still need actual cash in your pocket just in case. You end up somewhere that's cash only. You end up in a situation where, you know, you need actual cash. And I feel like, you know, everybody should have just a little bit on them. I was getting on Sabrina when we was in New York. She's like, you got cash? I'm like, you ain't got no cash on you. You know, because I just be like, yo, always have some cash in hand. But you don't need a money stack holding it up to your ear like it's a phone. Corny. Corny. Let's put away the corny things, man. And the more, look at Jay-Z, the more money this dude gets, the less he looks like it. You look at early Jay-Z, it was about looking like money, counting money, talking about money. And he still mentions money here and there. But now, and granted, he's older now, so you get more mature, hopefully. And the more money you acquire and the longer you've been rich, you start to you start to move and look differently. But we get it. You excited? We get it. You excited? You come from a you come from a an environment of extreme poverty. We get it. You excited to be getting this money, man? You feel you feel like you somebody now because you got money now. You feel like with the money comes the respect. With the money, yeah, you can get some respect, but you can also get robbed. You can also get jacked. You can also get the IRS can also dabble in them pockets. You know what I'm saying? So it's so many ways you can be taken down because you're flashing your money that it's not worth it. 
Just be low key with that cash. Have people surprised. Like, oh shit, you you worth sixteen million? I never knew. I never knew he was making that kind of money. Keep it low key, man. I would rather people always think I'm broke, which is barely making it. Because once people know how much money you're making, then it's always on the mind. You got it. You got it. You got it. And then you don't want people all up in your pockets like that. So rappers, man, go easy on the money showing off, man. Chill. We get it. Everybody's getting money. Everybody getting it. But come on, man. Act like, act like you didn't have money the whole time. Even if you haven't, act like you've been had it. Don't act brand new. Fruity bag cereal is corny. All right. Um, Netflix users in Russia filed clash action lawsuit over loss of service. So the Netflix, I get apparently if you in Russia, they they just they just cut your service off. I guess they don't like what's going on in Russia or whatever, and they be like, man. Can you imagine, though, like being pissed off? Like Ukraine is going through it right now. They're going through it. And I don't want to sit here like, you know, I'm political or militia McGee. Like I really know the ins and outs of what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. But I do know that shit is not looking good for Ukraine right now. It's serious business over there. Lives have been lost, you know, property destroyed, homes destroyed, stuff just destroyed. You worried about Netflix? Are you really in Russia knowing that the people are fighting for their goddamn lives and you sitting there worried about your Netflix service? People out here really suffering. They scared. They don't know what's going on. They trying to get out of the country. They doing this. They doing everything they can to survive. And you live in a country that's causing this. And you like, man, my Netflix. That's a cold slice, man. That's a cold goddamn slice. There's real shit going down. And you like, man, forget all that, man. My Netflix ain't working. I don't know how you would say that in a Russian accent, but hey, man, my Netflix. Cold, man. Cold. I would I would I would feel guilty of like, you know, if I was a Russian complaining about the Netflix, I'd be like, hey man, my heart goes out to whatever's going on around there. But listen, man, can we get my Netflix back on? Can we get my Netflix? Because that's not your news source. You're not getting your hot news from Netflix. Really, you're getting documentaries. I don't even know if Netflix has a, a live news show going right now. I don't know. But I just feel like it's kind of kind of insensitive coming from Russia. Well, that's more so the Russian people. That's what it is. You say what? It's the Russian people. It's not government. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's the, the people, people within that country. Yeah, and uh, and and I would feel guilty their, complaining in, about that. In their defense, it's like, what do they have in the war necessarily? You know, like all of the things that are happening are not necessarily like a fault of the people. And I wonder, I wonder if because I'm sure they probably don't even approve of it. Yeah, but it's just it's happening. Like, it's it's, happening. what can they do? So, I mean, for them to be upset about their Netflix, I mean, they could be upset about it, but it does seem like when well, they're going through all this stuff, what it was like, well, we caught the backlash of something that we ain't even want to get into. Right. It's like uh, America fighting back at Russia, like taking the, the well, we're going to shut down, we're not getting the games and all that stuff. So now they can't consume any of the stuff that they normally did right. before. 
because they didn't got into it and they ain't got nothing to do with them. You know what I'm saying? So and it's kind of like if if something would have happened like when America was over overseas and Iran and all that stuff, we messing with them mm. and then they pulled something that we enjoyed. Yeah. And then we like, yo, why would y'all do that? Yeah. Because we didn't have nothing to do with the war. We didn't say, hey, go mess with them or anything like that. So I think it's it's a similar kind of perspective on that. But like, the I can't lawsuit? Against Netflix? I mean. That's tough. They're going to, companies in America are going to do what they have to do because of sanctions and stuff like that. So they're going to be like, if they be like, hey, you need to stop having, supporting a business in these countries and stuff like that. Then, yeah. all right. You know, but it's just a war of, uh, the real people who lose are the consumers, regular folks and stuff right. like that. Where the government officials not really tripping on that because we just going to keep having this battle until we feel like we didn't got what we wanted. And and uh, America gets on my nerves because we always in other people's business. Yep. We are always in other people's affairs all the time. You look at the track record of America and war, we just meddle in everybody's business. And I feel I know it's going to come back and bite us in the ass for real, for real. I'm just like, man, I'm just counting the days. But God damn, man, it's like... Mind your business, and everybody be like, you know, everybody automatically says this, and it annoys me. It's like, I'm out here fighting for your freedom. I'm just like, the freedom to be in other people's business? Yeah. Because, you know, it, people are, aren't coming over here on American soil taking our freedom. So I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, I'm defending, I'm defending America from, from other people's business? It's yeah. just... What are you talking about when you say that? Like, I hate I hate that phrasing because it's like, no, you're not. Yeah, it it it's a thing of like, uh, like no offense to anybody that's in the military or anything like that, but it's right. also like that feeling of entitlement. Like, I went out there and I did this. Yeah. Thanks, but we ain't asked you to do all that. Right. And it's you know I'm not saying like it's just whatever, but it's it's just a part of the imperialism that's in America. Like that's yep. how they uphold their power. So every time something goes on, if we cool with them, we gonna flex our military superpowers. And be like, hey. Y'all gonna calm down, or we gonna blah right. blah, or we're going over to save another country. It's Man, just that ain't really what's going on anyway. All the time, and the taxpayers we funded, and it's just like, man, how long? We don't even have a choice on that though. It ain't like right. we could say what percentage of our taxes go to what. I wish we could. I would throw all my taxes into schools. Me too. Education. Forget I would the police, be like, forget they military. Should, they, they should let the American people choose where our tax percentages go. If you're going to be taxing us, especially especially people that get taxed at a high rate, let me distribute my tax money to where I want it to go. I'm flooding I'm flooding education. Yeah, the schools and the community, that's that's all I Absolutely. care about. Absolutely. I'm flooding it. But now, nah, you know that that would that would change everything and then yeah. then the, uh, you know the the defense budget is going it's going to crumble because people are like, man, look out, man. And then they're going to be like, well, you, you know, you're going to want us when you need us. But of course. But right now, we that, need other things within the within the dynamic. That is another one uh, that kind of got on my nerves. Uh, mm -hmm. Like two years ago when all the protests and stuff was happening, uh, people talking about, like, defund the police, which right. is a legitimate thing that I feel like should be done mm -hmm. to some capacity at least. Right. But when uh, there are people saying, like, oh, well, you can't expect them to do their job and all this stuff like, or they, well, you're going to need us eventually. I'm like, you right. can't. So if you're a police officer, I can't still expect you to do your job. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, don't call us if you need our help. Like, that's your job. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. That's what you signed up for, right? So right. the minute that we say we need to cut back on some of y'all funding, because y'all don't need billions of dollars in every every state taking up 90% of the budget to fight 
crime and y'all not even doing that well like, especially when you're not serving the community you say you want to serve and protect you're yeah. not you're not serving the communities of like you know inner city communities they're not they're not serving like the the people within those communities have horrible relationships with the police yeah so that proves you're not doing your job good and now you want top dollar no we, we defund the police is just like it's an extreme title but there should definitely be budget cuts when you're doing your job this horribly in many cities. Yep, just and like the NY the the New York thing last week when mm-hmm. the guy was on the train and he shot those people. Right. And they was like, "Well, where was the NYPD? NYPD got so much money and they can't and the thing is like we give y'all so much money and y'all can't do y'all job right." Right. But then complain about when we say y'all need to pull back some funding. Wait, 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 wait. we can't block. what you right. what can't you do with a couple billion dollars taken away? Like 1 billion dollars is a lot. Right. Put another billion on top of that. What change? You know what I'm saying? Like what? And then um, they get petty with us when we say, "Man, cut back on the budget. We we, we ain't gonna come when you need us." Yeah, we ain't gonna show up. We ain't gonna do nothing. It's like, well, and, we wasn't doing that anyway. And a lot of times, people don't even call the cops, especially in the black community. Oh no, we don't it's, be calling it, it the cops. It gets worse. There's a study that shows that when people call cops, things usually escalate. Cops don't de-escalate; they make it worse. Right. And especially so, for people like you know minority communities, so like you're not I'm calling the cops, bro. You know that's the last resort. I ain't never called the cops in my life, man. I mean, granted, you know, I ain't been in a situation where, but it's like, I don't feel, and I'm not in the minority here, we just don't feel like we can trust the police. And so it's ridiculous to be in a situation where you're putting money up for this this organization, whatever you want to call the police, and all this money is going into their pockets as an organization, and you're doing a terrible job to where people don't feel like they can trust you or need you, something is not right on that side. And it's idiotic for anything to be like, yo, let's keep putting money into a shitty process. Like, nobody's doing that. Nobody wants to keep putting money into an organization that's doing a shitty job. Like, you'd be called an idiot if somebody was like, why are you paying for this? Well, you know, they they abuse me, but, you know, here's more money. Yeah. It's ridiculous to to expect people to want to do that. So it's just like, man, we do do need police, but we don't don't need y'all like that. Yeah. We need y'all to actually do y'all job. Right. (laughs) That's the thing. It'd be different if y'all actually did what y'all supposed to do. But y'all right. just go around and and hurt people. Kobe McGuire said Tony didn't even call the cops when his car got keyed. And I didn't. <laughs> I sure didn't. It wasn't even, I was just like, man, I'm not doing it. And so I just got the car wrapped. I probably would have been able to, you know, save money and get some insurance money from if I would have called the cops and filed a report. But ain't nobody got time for that, man. Ain't nobody got time for that. So shout out to the cops that do do a good job and do their job well and actually respect the communities they work in. But the police force needs a lot of work in so many different cities. So, you know, that's why people come at it like that. Um, all right, I'm almost out of here because I got to uh, do some running around. Before we head to Chicago, um, Nas and Wu-Tang are having a concert out here in uh, October. Uh, I don't see why I'm not going. You know, Nas and Wu-Tang is me. That's not like front row. Man, that Nas and Wu-Tang is Tony Baker. Like, that, you know, that's, 
it's in my damn name at this point. So I, I'd be a fool not to attend this concert. I don't have any shows during that date. I'd be an idiot not to go to that concert. What's up, Sabrina? Sabrina up in here. You talking about the Harlem joint? Um, yeah, Nas and Wu-Tang, man, I'd be an absolute fool not to not to get in on it. And so I'm going to have to go. I just, I just have to go. Come on, man. I know I know the words. I know the words. I have to go. Um, Hanaj J, it's cold this week in Chicago. Bring your coat. Oh, thank you. All right, bringing that coat. I got I got the coat on deck. Uh, I got the coat and the hoodie combo going. Um, there's no movie to review in this episode. Uh, we just chatting it up, talking about different topics. I do want to speak on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing before we get out of here. Johnny Depp, they in court right now. And Johnny Depp claims that he's never he's never put hands on anybody. So we all know that, you know, stuff came out about Amber Heard putting hands on him and being abusive to him. And so now we're in a dynamic of, you know, Johnny Depp is pretty much trying to clear his name here. And I feel like it was unfair for... Johnny Depp to be pulled off of a major film and Amber Heard gets to stay on hers. When we have audio, you know, we have we have claims against her being physically abusive and verbally abusive as well. I feel like the same energy should be kept on both sides. I just feel like it's unfair for her to be able to still stay on her picture while he gets kicked off of his and, you know, stuff getting pushed back. And like that movie he had with Forrest Whitaker about the shooting of uh, notorious B.I.G. I feel like that got pulled and he got pulled off the Harry Potter spinoff franchise of uh fantastic beast. I feel like, um, this question's in the Google doc. I feel like, um, it's unfair that she was able to still thrive and glisten, even though, I, I did read somewhere that, you know, Johnny Depp still got paid for the film that he got pulled from, so he still got his money. I'm not sure how true that is, but if he did, that's cool. But still, it's still not a good look for future projects and stuff like that, so I just feel like if we're going to do this, if we're going to be fair, then Amber should have been slid off Aquaman. You know what I mean? If, if we being on the up and up. I'm just saying that. Uh, we got questions from Jerome. Jerome says, what are some of your dream matchups you would like to see in a versus? For me, um, I would like to see Wu-Tang in a versus. I'm not sure with who, though. It would have to be like NWA or another another group that has successful spinoff. Um, I'm... I'm sure NWA wouldn't even do it. You know, Dr. Dre probably be like, nah, you know. But in terms of group success with successful solo spinoff, NWA is pretty much the only one that can fall in a similar category as the Wu-Tang Clan. Because, you know, if you look at the model of success from Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang came out, they were successful as a group, and then they had so much solo success as a, as a solo artist 
that the only group that compares the Wu Tang and that in that type of model would be would be NWA, but they don't have enough members. Like Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and Easy E had big success solo, huge success. But the, we, but that was only that was only three members. You know, MC Ren, you know, did something, but in terms of like. Because when Wu-Tang went solo, Method Man had success. Raekwon had success. Old Dirty Bastard, Ghostface Killer, The Jizza, The Rizza, all had success. That's six members having solo success after leaving the group. So it's just like the only uh, the only group you can compare them to is New Edition. <laughs> New Edition is the only group of equal comparison. Because it's like, you know, once Bo- Bobby had success... Bell Biv DeVoe has success. Ralph Tresvan has success. Johnny Gill has success. So it's like they are the only ones comparable, but they, you know, they don't match, you know, in terms of the music. But as far as like that type of success, uh, I would love to see De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest in the verses. I would love to see, um, I would love to see Buster Rhymes and Missy Elliott, but we keep having this conversation. We keep having this conversation. I feel like we didn't had this conversation 87,000 times. Drew Hill and Jodeci would be dope. Um, but those are the ones I would like to see. Um, I really want the RZA and DJ Premier to have a redo. I want Erica Badu and Jill Scott to have a redo. I want them to have the proper verses where they are in the same venue at the same time. So I would love a redo of T-Pain and Lil John, a redo of uh, Jill Scott and Erica Badu, a redo of RZA and DJ Premier. I would like to see those redone uh, without the technical difficulties. Uh, Ludacris and Nelly had big technical difficulties, but I feel like Nelly couldn't really stack up against Luda. So it would have to be Luda versus somebody else. Um I would like to see the ghetto boys up in the verses somewhere uh, going against somebody. Um, I just don't know who they would who they would go against on the matchup tip. Shoot, nah, they don't really match sound wise. I don't know. That's a tough one. I didn't like the Scott Storch and Manny Fresh verses. I forgot about the Scott Storch and Manny Fresh joint. That just that just. Mm. I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, that was an old one because it just started off as a producer thing. Right, right. It was just producer only, and it was you know it was organic and, and Hit Boy and uh, Hit Boy and uh, Boy Wonder had one. That was a very early oh, one. Oh, I forgot. I didn't even see that one. Yeah, that was a very that, that was an early one because it was Timbaland and Swiss first. Yeah, and then I think Hit Boy, Boy who, Wonder. Who won that one? It's hard to say. Yeah, but Boy Wonder, like you know, we we know we don't. As far as both of them, they probably are like low-key, really big producers yeah. that people wouldn't necessarily notice like right away because their sound can be diversified a lot. Right. Um, Hit Boy, his stuff is kind of, his placements are all over the place. But for a while, he was like, you know, good music, Def Jam, so Kanye, Jay-Z, Beyonce. Yeah. And then Boy Wonder is Drake, like okay. from the start. Pretty yeah. much. He's been Drake's guy from the start, but he's done stuff for other people as well. So who has a more close. signature sound, you would say, Hit Boy or Boy Wonder? Who who would you be able to identify without knowing they produce it? Who would you think you would? Boy Wonder. Boy Wonder. Okay. Yeah. Because Hit Boy, even when I listen to, you know, I'm, I'm all in on his albums with Nas, and even within those, 
everything sounds so different. And it's just like, man, Hit Boy, you know, because when I hear Premier Beat, I know it's Premier. Yeah. Or Swiss or, you know, Pharrell or, you know, even Kanye, even though he'd be switching out, I could still be like, that sounds like a Kanye. Be, oh, yeah. lo and behold. High Tech, I can probably identify. And Timbaland, I can identify. But I feel like Hit Boy, I cannot, yeah. even within the same project, I'm just like, man, everything sounds so different. Yeah, that's a it, it's, that's a tough thing to, to master as a producer. Yeah. But I, even then, Boy Wonder's not a, like a slouch. It's just that in that particular predicament, I think yeah. it'd be like, you know. And it probably because he Boy Wonder pretty much works exclusively with Drake. Right. So it'd be one of those things was like, yeah, I can, you know. Yeah. But he's done stuff that you wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't know. Like he did work. Like for Rihanna. Oh, okay. So he he produced that. Yeah. And then if you throw another song up there, like uh, what's another hit song that he did? Best I ever had. Those don't sound alike. You know what I'm saying? They but that, don't. That's Man, a that's seven early year, Drake. Too. Yeah, that's a seven year gap. But it's like that's yeah. the difference in you know the sound kind of thing. So they can they can switch it up. They're, they're super producers. It's just low key. Right. They're not in your face with it. They don't necessarily have beat tags. Like Hitboy has a beat tag, but it's a low key. But right. Wonder has doesn't have a beat tag. So yeah. Somebody, uh, G. Lowry asked me, am I a Drake fan? Actually, yeah. Actually, I had a dream about Drake for some reason. I had a dream I posted about Drake. I do like Drake. Uh, I he, had, he makes good music. Like, he has a good ear for, first of all, I like some of the moods he creates with uh, some of his songs. Now, I will say, um, he can get kind of boring lyrically because, you know, some of the stuff he's rapping about, I just don't care about anymore. Um, but he's made he's made quite a catalog of songs that I like from him. Like uh, when I listen to Scorpion or, you know, um, what, what was the last album? Uh, Certified, Certified Lover Boy. I just pick, I cherry pick. Like, I go into Scorpion, I listen to the same, like, four songs on Scorpion, and then I come in and I listen to the same four songs on Certified Lover Boy. I just come in and I pick, you know, No Friends in the Industry, the song with Jay-Z, and a couple more tracks, and then I dip out. Um, and it's been getting, I've been, I've been becoming more and more of a Drake cherry picker with, uh, with Drake ever since... Um, what was the one with the clouds in the background? Nothing was the same. Nothing was the same. It was like the last Drake album that I would listen to pretty much in this entirety. I would come to Views a lot, and, and, and my sons like Views a lot, so I would listen to it with them and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now when I go back to Views, I'm cherry-picking. Like, I was cherry-picking when it dropped. It, it's This was like, it, Views was like a Drake compilation album to me. Yeah. It was like a compilation of hits. You can kind of tell that he was a little... Like he even said it in More Life, it was like a little jaded when he wrote it. So yeah, uh, I am a Drake fan, but I do wish he would be. I think I wouldn't say he doesn't put intent behind his music, but I say he needs to be a little bit more intentional with the direction that he wants to go. Because I think he's he's making music that can kind of be felt by everybody. He has something for everybody, and that's that's cool. Yeah, but I want more of like a like this is this is what I want to do kind of right. thing. I rather I rather like at this point in your career I rather you just do some stuff that you want to do kind of yeah. thing. And I I understand that he wants to be like this, you know, pop and all that stuff like that. They don't I feel like he's they going won't give it to him. Now. Uh the thing is at times I feel like certain people have to come at him and then he'd be like, "Okay, I y'all think I can't rap. That's crazy. Here's this." And he yeah. does that pretty well 
And then it'd be like uh, other times. I really think he really wants to just jump into like singing and stuff like that. Right. He knows how to make the music connect. He doesn't know how to make it stay, and it doesn't stick as well as far as like with his albums go. Because I'll listen right. to it and I'll be like, "This sounds good, but it's not too much different from what we've known Drake to do." Right. Kind of thing. But I think it's because that lane, like nobody can push into his lane. And people have tried to yeah. ease into it, and it's like you can't beat him in this realm. Right. And he kind of knows that. But he also steps out on other people's stuff and they'd be like, how he get on that song and turn it into his? You know? Yeah. And he uh, he said that he wanted to be Marvin Gaye. Like, you know, that was his intent. Not not to be, you know, the rapper, uh, mm-hmm. the goat is a rapper, but Marvin Gaye was his, you know, which which is... That's crazy to think. Like, how, yeah. did, how did you... That's I can't even like that's wild to even now that I know that that's wild to think of like yeah, I wanted to said, be like I like, want to be like Marvin Gaye and then you come out and be like one of the biggest <laughs> rap, nah that that correlation is crazy yeah <laughs> I guess it was like I can't sing that well so he, he can't there's 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 not an ounce of Marvin Gaye in him in terms of not vocal a, talent like, not at all um, but he's out here statting it up he's running up the stat sheet and yes I am excited about Kendrick but I'm keeping my excitement at bay just in case it's not. Legit, just in case Kendrick is playing with us. Because of the name? Yeah. What was it? Uh, Mr. Morale. Mr. And Morale the, and the Big Steppers? And the Big Steppers. It sounds crazy, but... It could be. It, after that amazing brother, only I was like, ah, I did the top of the morning, I was like, maybe. Amazing, brother. One thing I will say about Kendrick, he is intentional. Very. Very much so. He is, he is, he is an artist's artist. So, you know... We know whatever he's coming with is coming with intention, I imagine. Unless, since I did read that he is leaving TDE and this is his last album on that label, I don't want it to be just something he's just throwing out there just to give him another album, just to get out. Nah, he took too long. If he does that, that'll hurt his career more than he thinks. That's true. Five years since damn? Nah, you can't can't do that. That... That's the thing. I always, uh, always have these conversations with my girlfriend. I was like, the longer people wait for that, after you make a great album yeah. and then you got a follow up, the longer you wait, the higher the anticipation is. The high, the like, you have to deliver. And if you don't, that's gonna hurt. Because yeah. a lot of people break out with their debut album and they be like, ah, it's so good, and then yeah. you try to follow up with that second one, they be like, mm, it ain't hitting the same. That's facts. Who's had some great uh, follow ups to greatness? It's from their debut album? Yeah. Drake did. He went from Thank Me Later to Take Care. But I don't think Thank Me Later was considered great. I feel like it was an overall well-rounded. It it you go uh, back and listen to it, it sounds it sounds very safe. It's a it's a debut album. It sounds super safe. When you when you look when you look at Drake's um discography, Thank Thank Me Later had the quickest fade off. I feel then then yeah. he the had rest a lot. His... He had a lot to to grow into too. Yeah. That was the thing that year because you think 2010 there was a lot of really good albums that year, mm-hmm. and he had to you know it was him even like jumping to number one like having his album go number one. Yeah, was a surprise to people because still a lot of people weren't necessarily too fond of Drake. Right, they weren't really like I ain't the biggest fan of him. I ain't really feeling it kind mm-hmm. of thing. And he he made it. And then as the time went on, he knew following up, he had the he had something to prove, basically. Right. With Take Care. And I think that's why I was like, maybe the first album wasn't necessarily like regarded as like a classic. It was just more so like, okay, he kind of proved himself, but what can he do the second time? And I feel like when Take I Care like, dropped, it was... I feel like Thank Me Later was easy to measure up to and, and exceed. Yeah. 
as opposed to like hard, harder albums to follow up would be, you know, Reasonable Doubt, Illmatic, The yeah. Chronic. You know, these albums were like, oh shit, I don't know if you could if you could so his his album to me in that vein would be Take Care. Cause Take Care was an album that really yeah. resonated with people. It had staying power, it had big impact. Yeah. So for him to follow up Take Care with uh Yeah, nothing was the same. Nothing was the same. Think, I'm sure yeah. a lot of people was like, Man, this ain't this ain't the same. Now that you mentioned nothing was the same. But for me, I preferred nothing was the same. I think nothing was the same was a good follow up. Yeah. But I feel like he didn't lose. I feel like he didn't lose credibility or momentum with nothing was the same. Even though it didn't have the lasting impact of Take Care, I still feel like it was a it was a follow up where people was like, "All right, yeah, 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 yeah." You know, um, that's like a yeah. I think nothing was the same was like a solidification kind of album. That, yeah, it yeah. was just it like was, you it know. was like all right, he's here, he's, right. he's staying kind of thing. He didn't he didn't disappoint us because I feel like. Let's say Illmatic, for example, which is highly praised as this critical yeah. masterpiece, even to this day, I feel like it was written was a good follow-up, even though it was a departure in the sound, but it it did incredibly well. Like when it came out, it was number one for like a month straight and then went double platinum, and Illmatic didn't even sell when it came out, so... I feel like it was written was a good follow up, just like they mentioned in the chat. Supreme clientele. I feel like Tribe Called Quest was able to follow up Low End Theory with an equally dope and impactful album with Midnight Marauders. Um, and some people still argue to this day which album is better, uh, Low End Theory or Midnight Marauders. So I feel like. I feel like Tribe Called Quest, their first three albums, same with Outkast following with uh, AT Aliens on Southern Playlistic. To me, initially, I, I bought AT Aliens the day it dropped. And I love Southern Playlistic. I was like, yo, man, this. So I was like, man, AT Aliens. And when AT Aliens first dropped, I liked it, but it wasn't no Southern Playlistic. But then over time, I was like, man, AT Aliens is... Yeah. Just as good. It's it's different, but it's just as good. I think that's uh, that's a that's the thing about like debut albums. How how different will it sound, and how will people react to that different kind of sound? Right. It's something that if it's something that's gonna have to grow on you, then you know when they put that out, it'd be like it's you know this one yeah. might not stick. There's a lot of people who don't. I think like Big Sean, his debut album was it was you know whatever kind yeah. of thing. It was a very commercial thing, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then when he dropped. Um, Dark. Hall of Fame, no Hall, oh, of, Hall Fame of Fame. Was, Hall of Fame. I was like, mm. yeah. I listened to that album a lot because I was a freshman in college. But like, hey, this was. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. It. But then he, then Dark Sky Paradise. So I was like, now that we can, we can rock with that. And even, even then, I decided it was really good too. Yeah. I feel like those two back to back. I was like, that's really that's a good run right there. Yeah. And then he kind of faltered with the Metro Boomin and Big that Sean one, that did not land. Nah, and I, I think that was a a good point for both of them. Because yeah. Metro came off of 2017 where he was producing, like, everybody's thing. Like, he was all over the charts that year. Yeah. And then Big Sean was coming off the steam of I Decided. So I think they kind of, like, burned themselves out towards the end of the year. And they kind of mm -hmm. took a step back. Like, 2018, you didn't really hear too much from them. I feel like it's something. I don't know what it is about Big Sean. Because Big Sean is top-tier lyricist. But I, I still feel like he's underrated. I feel like.
Because I, I feel like, you know, Big Sean should be up there with the three-headed dragon. I feel like he should be up there where, in terms of just, like, based on lyrical ability and the ability to make hits and be relevant, but I feel like Big Sean just can't get up to that Kendrick, Drake, J. Cole level for some reason. I don't know what it I don't know what's keeping people at bay on Big Sean. It's more so like mm, cause I, I had I felt that same way too. Uh cause I, I had I've been a Big Sean fan for a while, uh, since his mixtape days and stuff. Yeah. And I think it is the part like how people they just kinda wrote him off as like the corny kind of rapper kind of thing like you know the stuff that he did earlier before he grew into like right where he the kind of music he really want to make but so you think like the, that initial that, thing that, that, that initial him. stuff is sticking that's has stuck mm. with him and even then because even then in recent stuff he'll throw in some like somewhat corny stuff or whatever yeah it don't be it's not like awful though right but people kind of write it off as like oh my god it was like the worst thing i've ever heard or you know anything like yeah. that and you know he has some some parts where it's like that but like when I watched him do the freestyle on was it LA Leakers or something like that? When yeah. he did the freestyles to like three songs and it was like, This is great. Even my right. dad sent it to me. He was like, nah, he's like, This is amazing. Right. And I was like, I know, but he doesn't something about his albums don't possess this kind of yeah. thing. And I don't know what, what the disconnect is. Maybe he's more so trying to have something that people like the general audience can work with. Yeah. But it just doesn't it's, stick. It, he doesn't he doesn't hit like those those three that I mentioned, like anytime they are mentioned or, and lyrically he can hang with those cats. Yeah. And, but it's, it's just something. And I, I think, I think you're right. It might be that initial reaction to him early on. And yeah. people just wrote him off and can't shake that because, you know. Cause once you, that, cause that's the kind of music he was making. So if you heard that and yeah. then it was still there when you checked in to maybe his like his second album realizing it wasn't all that good. Yeah. When he dropped I, uh, Dark Sky Paradise, what was his biggest song? I Don't Fuck With You. Right. That could be like, okay, bro, like, you know, kind of thing. I think what makes it to the radio does play a big part in how people perceive your kind of sound mm, Yeah. overall. And if right. your your biggest hits are songs like that, rather than it being like something like, uh, we're talking Dark Sky Paradise, if it's something like, uh, well, Blessings hit the radio too, and I think that was a good one. Right. Um. But something like uh, Paradise on that that album where he's rapping like he's just rapping out his mind like right. that's the kind of stuff that people want to I think want to hear but that ain't always gonna rock with you know an entire album or even commercial sales and stuff like that right it's a tough battle and I feel like he kind of caught the flack of both he got real loyal devoted fans mm -hmm. and then he got people that just not gonna like him at all right and as he's grown as a person he's more introspective spiritual kind of thing right um he did a lot of that on detroit too and i felt like detroit too is a is a pretty good album but overall when i go back and listen to it i, I pick i cherry pick on I detroit pick, too i pick too. a lot and it was yeah. like because some of the songs i was just like yeah i get it but it, it's just not it's something about the delivery yeah it. it didn't have the same power um that i wanted it to have yeah i would just i would just cherry pick lucky me is my favorite song on that album um but it, it just didn't have the same power because i still i still listen to uh off season by j cole I still keep coming back to that album. It's just like, and Forest Hills Drive is just, Forest Hills Drive, Friday Night Lights, I just keep coming back. And it's just like, and I, you know, Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. I go back to that album all the time. Now that I live here, that's a, that's such an L.A. album. It really is. Yeah. Like, it was just like, I, I wasn't here when it dropped. Yeah. So I didn't pay attention to it when it first came out. Because mm. I didn't really like uh, the Swimming Pool song as like a lead single. Yeah. I, it, I was like, mm, I'm not really a fan of this. Right. Uh, but I had knew about Kendrick and stuff like that. Like, I already knew. 
But the stuff I was hearing from him was more like he raps really fast, and I was like, I don't care about that. Yeah, like give me something else. Right. And I listened to it to it again like a year later, and I was like, I get it. And then I moved out here. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. I could feel the energy that he was getting from yeah. to make this kind of album. And then September Butterfly was like, I listened to it once. I didn't go back to it. Mm. But I think it's just that kind of album. Yeah. And then, um, which I don't know. I can't really be like, to, was September Butterfly better than Good Kid, Mad City? I think it's just the thing of, of taste. Critically, yes, it it was critically acclaimed. Like, September mm-hmm. Butterfly is like critically acclaimed. Right. And I think it's just the, the sound of it, the direction that he went for. But when he dropped Damn, I felt kind of like he pulled back a bit. He still gave us some depth, but it sounded extremely, like a lot of songs is commercial. Like a lot of commercial. He definitely friendly. played it safer on Damn. Yeah. He and played that's it his best selling album because yeah. of that. And I was like, he definitely went commercial with this album. Yeah. Not like it was a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it will be interesting to see what he does next. Because he definitely didn't go as deep musically as he did with To Pimple Butterfly. To Pimple Butterfly is like a, damn near like a concept album. Yeah. Damn near. And it, it's like, it feels weird to go into to pimp a butterfly and just pick. Yeah, you, it exactly. feels like you gotta you gotta go all the way through it. Yeah, and um, even songs like it's you know all right, it still feels weird to go in there and just pick one song and then dip out. But I feel like with damn, I can go in there and pick and, and then dip out and then come back again. Um, and I I definitely feel Brian Campbell. I feel you. I think Big Crit is criminally overrated. I mean underrated, underrated. I feel like he's super overlooked and underrated. He's one of my favorites in the game. Uh, but, yeah, man, I got to get the hell out of here, y'all. Um, thank y'all for tuning in to another session of Verbal Cardio. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my patron saying Shout-out to Sabrina, uh, my producer extraordinaire. She has been in the Chatsworth holding it down. And, and Sabrina said, first impressions stick. And I feel like that's facts, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I feel like... Our favorite artists, their first impressions stuck so good that they're still here to this day. We talk about Illmatic, and that's our first impression of Nas. We talk about Reasonable Doubt. That's our first impression, and they just hold on forever. So if you if you get that first impression right, if you nail that, you could you can hold on that Lupe Fiasco's first impression. Um there's so many artists that had that dope first impression. Even Kanye West, the first impression. We still hold on to Kanye because his first impression was so strong. It was just like, yo, we we want the old Kanye back. You hear that all the time because that first impression was life. And we, we won't let it go. So, And I feel like if you come in with a subpar first impression, it's going to be hard to shake it. And Drake came in with a good first impression. You know, so far gone, many consider that to be his best project, me included. I, I still feel like so far gone is my favorite Drake project. That was a that was a project I couldn't stop listening to when I first heard it. And I was like, yo, I don't know what this is, but I really like it. And to me, that's still his magnum opus so far. And, you know, um, yeah, y'all. Anyway. Uh, we out of here. Shout out to my patron saints. Uh, don't forget to spread the word about verbal cardio, man. Tell your people, share, like, subscribe, comment. I need all that. I need all that. I want to build verbal cardio up to, you know, the double-edged, you know, podcast dragon. You know what I mean? I appreciate you guys so much. Um, don't forget to drink more water. And thank you for tuning in to another session of that verbal cardio.